Let's get into some word today. Let's go over to Romans chapter 5. Romans, the fifth chapter. Today, I want to continue in the series that we've been in for a while now. And uh, the series is called True Love. Talking about the love of God, it's hard to put on the brakes. It's hard to end a series. And so we're not ending. (laughs) You're going to keep going for a little bit. We'll see how long we stay on this. But uh, uh, there's just so much in the Scripture and so much for us to understand because... I mean, the reality is, we're not just talking about something we are to do. We're talking about God Himself. He is love. How can you quantify Him? How can you measure God? How can you just completely articulate everything He's about? Well, that's love, so it's a very deep subject, isn't it? It's deep and wide and tall and good. Good. Romans chapter 5, let's read our text here, verse 6. 5, 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this gives us the foundation, the best and complete picture of what the love of God is, what true love is, is Jesus on the cross dying for people who didn't deserve it, all right? And, and of course, that is to guide us in our decision making and what we do towards others as well. But we've been talking about understanding God's love to this end that we could abide in His love. Jesus told us that we should abide in His love. Jude says that we are to keep ourselves in the love of God. So it's something that obviously we, we could depart from. All right? Now, uh, nothing can separate us from God's love toward us, but our part is keeping ourselves in that uninterrupted flow of God's love toward our lives. All right? And so we've got to understand what it is. And we can see this in Jesus. We can see it in Him on the cross. We can see it in Him in His earthly physical life. He is the express image of the Father. And so we've been dealing with various aspects of this. Last week, you remember, we were, we were talking about the issue of giving to people what you owe them. If you owe somebody something, pay them. But when we talk about that, a lot of times people just think money. If I borrowed money from you, I should pay you back. And of course... That should be the case. But a lot of times it's, it's, it's more than that. If you owe someone an apology, that would be the love of God to apologize to them. In other words, to give them what you owe them, what's, what, what's, what's due. And we talked about owning up to things that we have done. And, you know, if you're feeling pointed out in any way, don't. You're in the midst of a big crowd and every one of us can and should receive this word. Because we've all blown it, haven't we? We've all done people wrong. And we need to own those things. We need to acknowledge them. And we need to give people what they deserve. In other words, uh, apology, uh, repentance, that type of thing. And so if you owe someone, you do that. Love is the continual debt that we bear. I always owe you the love of God. It is the New Testament command. Now, True love is always looking for an opportunity to to get people off the hook. They've done wrong. You know it. They know it. But love wants them to get, not not get away with it in the sense of not know that it's wrong, uh, but get away from the consequences of it. See, the person who's fleshly motivated, selfishly motivated, they're looking for someone who did wrong and they can't wait to see them pay for it. 
they can't wait to see, you know, sowing and reaping go into full effect. They're looking for an opportunity for that person to reap what they sow. So they can say, you know what, (laughs) told you so. I knew this was going to happen to you. Uh, But love doesn't operate that way. Love recognizes that even though someone has done wrong, even though they may have done me wrong, I really don't want them to suffer for it. I want them to be changed. I want them to, 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 to not remain in that low level of life. But I don't want them to suffer. I don't want them to, uh, for their life to be ruined. You know, a great picture of this goes back to Jesus on the cross. You remember he said to, to the Father, while hanging there, while bleeding profusely, while suffering tremendously, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's interesting. He, 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 said, he didn't say, Father, show them the error of their ways. Well, no, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Again, the flesh wants people to suffer for what they have done. But true love wants to help get them off the hook. It doesn't want people to be rewarded for their sin. But it wants them to avoid the penalty and then change. And so I want to talk to you today and get into this a little bit about forgiveness. We talked about, again, reiterating last week, if you owe someone an apology, give it to them. You know, if you've done someone else wrong, do whatever you can to make that right and to own up to that situation. But many times we deal with situations just like Jesus on the cross. They're not apologizing to him. (laughs) They're not saying, oh, Jesus, I see that hurts. Um, Sorry. No, they're jeering at him. They're mocking him. Healed others, come on. Saved others, save yourself. In the middle of that, he's praying for their forgiveness. This is powerful. And we put a lot of emphasis on the fact that we are forgiven by God, and rightly so, we should. But what about the extension of that love towards others? Living in a fallen world as we do, where there's a whole lot of flesh, a whole lot of selfishness, a whole lot of wrongdoing, if you and I have not and are not continuing to forgive frequently, then we are not operating in the love of God. I mean, if you haven't forgiven a bunch of people a bunch of times, then you're not abiding in the love of God. Because again, knowing the world in which we live in, you've been treated wrong. Someone has been selfish towards you. Someone has stabbed you in the back. Someone has talked about you behind your back. Someone has falsely accused you. Someone has you know, done all kinds of things have happened to people. And if there hasn't been a continual outflow of forgiveness from you, then there's probably a real serious buildup of hurt, of anger, of resentment, of, of ill feelings towards other people. And so forgiveness is something that all of us should be very skilled at. One reason is because we get a lot of opportunity. I'm really really adept at forgiveness because I've been treated wrong so many times. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, That should be really true about every single one of us. But uh, the opposite of this is true. See, if there's a lot of love, there's a lot of forgiveness. There just is. Someone said, I'm just full of God's love then you forgive a lot. It's just, they go hand in hand. But if there's not a lot of love, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of unforgiveness, there's a lot of revenge, there's a lot of bitterness in your life. And so we want to get this straightened out and get this, get this put back together. Uh, often when, when, when people are offended or hurt, they feel some sort of justification um, 
to hold a grudge. I'm angry with this person. Ah, they did this to me. And, and they feel justified. I, I've seen individuals that they, they'll talk about, quote the scriptures on love and forgiveness, but when they've been hurt, it's like gloves are off and everything is open to a possibility of doing something to retaliate now. That is the only opportunity that we have to truly prove and walk out love and forgiveness when we're done wrong. It's easy for me to be sweet and smile and kind to everyone who's kind to me, who's nice and sweet and, and uplifting to me. It's a whole other thing when someone strikes for me to retaliate with love and forgiveness and kindness. Everybody with me today? It's kind of like, you know, sometimes we talk about uh, the subject, the Bible subject of submission and authority. Remember, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. And, uh, you know, some individuals have thought about themselves that I, I don't really have any problem with submission at all. I'll... I can follow the rules. I follow the authority structure at work and, you know, and, and, and so forth and d different places. They say, I don't have any problem with submission except for this time. I just disagree with this. You know, I, I'll submit all the time to what the rules are, what I'm supposed to do, but now's an exception because I just disagree. And see, what that person is revealing is that they have never submitted in their entire life. That they're only favorable, they're only, they're only uh, good to be around when they agree with you. And if they don't agree with you, then they're going to stand up against. You know what they're saying? Uh, they're basically saying, you know, again, if I agree with you, I'll submit. But those are opposite terms. For someone to agree means submission is not necessary. For someone to submit, it means they don't agree. It means they think different and they have an opportunity to say, hmm. Bite my tongue, go along with it anyway. Likewise, it is with the love of God. Some people say, I, I don't have any problem with abiding and living in this love towards other people, walking in love. It's just in this situation, this person really hurt me. No, in this situation is your first opportunity to really walk in love. It's an opportunity to forgive and to treat them other than they deserve to be treated. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Old Testament, you know, under the law, they, th this type of language was used. An eye for an eye. And what? Tooth for a tooth. Someone said, yeah, I love that scripture. <laughs> I, I, I put that on my wall. I just love to meditate in the Word of God. Well, no, that is a scripture, but how many know the Bible has to be rightly divided? And that's not the love of God. That's not how we operate towards each other. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But people like to use the word to justify whatever they want to do, right? Colossians chapter 3. Notice with me over here in verse 12. 312. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, Humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. Let's stop there for a moment. Notice the language in that verse, the 12th verse. He said to put on tender mercies. Put it on. 
well, why would you put it on? Well, because it's not automatically on. Now, if you're a believer, it is automatically in, but it's not automatically on. And just because I've been saved, thank God, the love of God abides in me. I have tender mercies, I have patience, I have kindness. It's all dwelling in me, but that's not enough. So I just need to know that it's in me. No, you need to put it on you. Because what's in you, I don't see. What's in you, I don't experience. But what's on you, I have to deal with. What's on your spouse is what you live with, not what's in your spouse. Everybody with me today? And he's talking to him about it. He said, you need to tell him, you guys need to get some love. No, he knew they already had love. He knew they already had the forgiveness. He already had all these things in their born-again spirit. But he said, you guys need to put this on. And putting on is something we do intentionally. Putting on is something that you did, thankfully. Intentionally, this morning before you came to church, you put on your clothes. Right? If you hadn't have put them on, we would all know. Ooh. <laughs> Someone forgot to get dressed today. <laughs> right? And we would say, you need to, before you come in, you need to go put something on. <laughs> go in the bathroom, go ahead and put something on so you can come in here. Likewise, it is true. It is the case. But a lot of times people are walking around and they've got the love of God inside of them, but they don't have the love of God on the outside of them. And this is something we have to do intentionally. This is part of keeping ourselves in the love of God. And maybe, maybe you, you have been or will be from this point tempted to respond to people at some point. When they treat you and they start talking to you a certain way, say, oh, did you forget to get dressed this morning? Because I noticed you're not wearing something. What are they not wearing? They're not wearing tender mercy, kindness, humility, and meekness. And we've got to put it on. He goes on to say, second part of 13, he said, if anyone has a complaint against another, well, let's stop right there for a moment again. Let's define anyone. Is there anyone that that might apply to in here? Anyone. I'm kind of thinking that anyone might apply to everyone. Okay, so we know this verse is talking to us. Anyone means everyone. So if anyone has a complaint, now I don't know if everyone here has a complaint right now, but I think it'd probably be safe to say that everyone has had a complaint at some time or another. Has anybody ever had a complaint against somebody else? All right, some of you are honest, the rest of you are liars. There'll be an altar call at the end. Cast that spirit out of you. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so that's the example, even as, remember, Father forgive them, they don't even know what they're doing. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Notice the strong language there. This is not optional. So you also, you know, be a good idea. Might want to consider. No, he said to these believers, you must forgive. Just like Jesus forgave you, you absolutely must forgive them in the same fashion. How many know this has got to be the most basic tenet of Christianity? Not only are we forgiven, are we loved, but then from that position, we love. And we forgive. And if we're not operating in this, I mean, who on this planet can? I tell you what, we live in a rough world. 
a rough world. People are doing a lot of things to harm each other all day long. This is where it's different. In the body of Christ, we act, actually mean what we talk about. Forgiveness is a way of life. It's a normal manner in which we treat one another. But it's amazing today how many people call themselves Christians yet refuse to forgive others. And I say that from experience of people sharing with me about what others had done wrong to them and I feel sympathetic to their cause because I know some have really been hurt and they've really been stabbed in the back and treated wrong and you know marriages have been abusive and people children have grown up in abusive situations and there's no doubt a lot of people have suffered at the hands of someone else but in certain situations someone who is confessing to be a believer confessing to be a Christian but they'll tell me I'm I'm not going to forgive them I can't forgive them I say, but you must forgive them. Say, but you don't know what they did. I realize I don't know the extent of what you feel. I don't know the depth of your pain. But I'm still going to say it anyway. You must. You absolutely must forgive them. Now, I'll come back and say a few more things about that later. But I remember a, a family years ago was coming to our church. And they had a situation that they brought to me. We had a meeting, and they said, this situation with this particular leader in the church, they did this, and they treated this person this way, and they made this decision, and I don't want to go into the details of what they did. It was not a big deal. It was a pretty small deal, but they brought it to my attention. They said, this leader did this, and as they explained it, I had already known about it. I knew what they were telling me about it before they even came in, and I said, I agree. I, told, I said, I agree with you. That situation wasn't dealt with correctly. I said, this should have been, it should have been handled in a different way. And uh, we're fi- we'll fix that. We're not going to do it that way. You know, it, it, was a, it was a mistake. But that person, they love God. They love you. They're not here to, to try to hurt anyone. They're just trying to serve God and be a blessing. And they didn't do it completely right. And, uh, and they said, okay. They said, we're leaving the church. I said, you are? I, and I said to them, I said, what about forgiveness? And they kind of hummed and hawed and talked and, and you know, and, and we just really think this is what we're supposed to do. And I, I said, really? Over that? You won't forgive this person? And I just find that amazing. And, and you know, as, as this happened and it ended up, it panned out that way. I said, all right. You know, and I said, I think you're making the wrong decision here. They said, well, we think it's all right. I said, what? I'll just tell you more of what I said. I said, you were in the hospital, and you were in trouble with your life, and you trusted me to come pray for you and get you, get you raised up. You might want to consider trusting me now. And, uh, but they didn't. And I don't have any ill feelings towards them. They just made a decision. But I thought, this is interesting, that... They would acknowledge someone did something wrong, but they wouldn't forgive them. And yet they're such strong Christians, so spiritual, just spending all their time with the Lord. I think there's something that's inconsistent here. This is not, this is not the character uh, of one who's living in and abiding in the love of God. Now, in the Scripture, there is so much about this subject that we could spend weeks literally just on this part. You know, Jesus talked about the guy who... In, the, in a parable, the guy who was forgiven a great debt, 
Remember that? Great debt was forgiven. Literally, it would be like billions of dollars if we were to translate into our day. And as soon as he got released, he threw another guy in jail for owing him like three bucks. I mean, it was like a, like a contrast. And God's not happy with that kind of activity. His love was given to us, and these things need to be extended towards others. And, but thinking about Jesus on the cross, the different kind of scenarios we find ourselves in. Jesus on the cross, they were crucifying Him thinking they were doing God a favor. Thinking they were serving God and doing the right thing. And in the middle of that, they didn't apologize to Him, nothing. And He still says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I tell you what, there are many times that people will do things against you in your life. And they don't even know that they're doing the wrong thing. They don't. What should be our attitude towards them? Lord, forgive them anyway. My heart is not going to be against them. Even though they're attacking me and they think they're doing the right thing, forgive them anyway. There are other situations where, uh, where people do, do you wrong and they know they're doing you wrong. And they just don't care. They just don't. They're not apologizing. They're not going to ask your forgiveness. I think those are a little tougher to deal with. But at the same time, we've got to be committed to not hold things against people. I'm not going to allow this situation to occupy my thinking and my heart long term. I'm going to release this. This is on them. This is their deal. If they want to repair a relationship, they can. But I refuse to hold it against them. And then there are other situations where people, of course, they've done you wrong. They know it. You know it. They actually repent and ask for forgiveness of you. And, uh, and still that can be hard because then there's the trust factor. But we'll get into that later. But, uh, but still, forgiveness needs to be offered and given to you in, in, in those situations. But thinking about different people, one of the Bible characters that I'm reminded of is a guy named Joseph. There's a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament. You can read about him in uh, Genesis 37, and, and it carries on for a few chapters to read his story. But let me just summarize. Joseph was, the, at the time, the youngest son of Jacob. Okay, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. That's where the nation of Israel, the children of Israel come from. Uh, and and uh, Joseph was the most loved son of his father Jacob. And, and Jacob showed him favor. He was a favorite in the house, which, by the way, is not good parenting advice uh, for parents to do. And he gave him all kinds of perks because he loved him more than all the other kids. Uh, and you might know the story how uh, he had a coat of many colors made for him. And so Joseph is strutting around in his colorful coat, and his brothers are despising him. His brothers are ticked off at him. Then Joseph starts having dreams. God shows him what's going to come in the future. And he, not so wisely, shares his dreams with his brothers. Right? And the dream was about how they were one day all going to bow down to him. Okay? They already don't like him. <laughs> and now, your little punk brother, oh, we're going to worship you, are we? We're going to bow down and serve you. And so that didn't help matters. And one day when he was sent out to the field where his brothers were working, they uh, conspired against him. And a lot of them, they just wanted to kill him. I mean, they just wanted to take the, take the kid out. And the older brother said, no, let's not do that. But they put him in a pit. And uh, so he was trapped there. And while the older brother was away, uh, the Midianites came by. 
and these traveling people, and they said, hey, let's sell him to them. And they sold their brother into slavery. He became a slave, and they got some money for him. I mean, if you ever had any siblings do you wrong, maybe punch you or, you know, or tell on you when you did wrong. You know, I've had all that. I have two brothers and a sister, and they were all mean at times. I was not, of course. Uh, well, because I'm a pastor. <laughs> but, 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 but here's the thing. You know what? I was, I've never been sold into slavery. <laughs> they never actually sold me, and I went away in chains to be a slave the rest of my life. I mean, this is pretty cruel. This is some pretty harsh treatment. And if you follow the story, he ends up first with a guy named Potiphar, and he was a slave servant in his house, and he actually, God's favor was on him. He rose up, but then got falsely accused, uh, and it was end up sent to prison, and he was in Pharaoh's prison for years. Uh, situation happened where, where Pharaoh was having dreams. Joseph ended up interpreting those dreams, talking about how there would be seven years of, of prosperity and, and plenty and seven years of famine. And, and so Pharaoh ended up promoting him and him being the second highest ruler in all the land under Pharaoh. I mean, quite an amazing story. And so now Joseph, all these years later, um, he's in a high position and he's commanding great authority. And one day when the famine comes, here comes his brothers. They're, everyone's going to Egypt because of Joseph's wisdom and saving up, and they're buying grain and foods and stuff from Egypt. And there's Joseph's brother showing up one day. And uh, you imagine there could be a little bit of emotion there. And he didn't reveal himself to them right away, but as you see what takes place, without going into all the details of that story, eventually Joseph says, I'm Joseph, I'm your brother. He's feeding them big meals. He's giving them their grain, giving them their money back and all this kind of stuff. And finally, he's broken down in tears and all that. And he reveals himself and says, I'm Joseph, your brother. You think of what he could have done. I mean, he could have locked these dudes up for the rest of their lives. He could have persecuted, tortured. He could have had them killed. He could have done whatever he wanted with the great authority and position he had. He could have gotten revenge. Huh? He could have, you know, he could have spread what they did to him. He could have told the whole land. Every, he could have told everyone about how these rascals sold him into slavery. And uh, he would have gotten away with all of it. Right? But what he did with them should help us to understand what true forgiveness is. When I forgive someone, I can learn by Joseph's response to his brother's. And let me, just give, let me just give you a few points to help identify in your life if you really have forgiven someone who has done you wrong. If you have, you're not going to tell others what they did. You're not going to spread the, the harm, the treatment that they gave towards you. You're not going to spread that around and let other people know. As far as you're concerned, I'm talking about the one who is truly forgiven now. As far as you're, you're concerned, no one will ever know what they did to you. Now that can be kind of tough, huh? But this is where true forgiveness lives. True love and real forgiveness, it won't let that other person be afraid of you. How many know Joseph could have held this over their lives the rest of their lives? 
And every time they got near, he could have had them trembling because the whole bowing and all that stuff, that already took place. The dream was fulfilled. But he could have kept them in fear their entire lives. He could have held it over their head and said, and you guys do one thing wrong, you're in prison, and I'm going to make sure it happens. How many know he could have done that? But he didn't. He elevated them. He prospered them. Gave them a place. He set them up as people of, of importance. He let Pharaoh know, my family's here. And they celebrated. They rejoiced over these turkeys that did such an evil thing. Why? He had really let it go. He had truly forgiven them. You see, if you've really forgiven someone, you won't let them feel guilty about it. You're not going to allow them to feel like a rascal the rest of their lives. Every time they see you or they feel. No. You, in Joseph's situation, if you read the story, you'll find out that he didn't try to rub it in and, and force the issue. He said, you know what, guys? Even though you did this, God used this to get me in this position. God had a plan here. You guys did wrong, but you know what God... He used this, and look what's happening now. We're saving the world by feeding people. Why would you even bring that up if you're just wanting them to feel bad about what they did? He was beyond that. He had forgiven them. You know, uh, some of you, 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 know, you know things about people that could ruin their lives. You know things about other individuals. You know things about people in business. Things that they have done that, that could really ruin their reputation, ruin their lives. When someone has really forgiven, you know what? You protect people from their secrets. You protect people from what they've done wrong. You know, it's the, it, it's the love of God to conceal a matter. It's, the, lo- it's, it's uh, the love of God. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. When we've really forgiven, we're not looking to expose people. We're not looking to spread their sin around. You know, one problem that happens sometimes is, is uh, if someone does you wrong, and after they've done you wrong, you go and tell, you know, a few other people, then that person who's done you wrong comes to you, and you guys get it worked out. And there's love, and there's forgiveness, there's restoration, and that relationship comes back together. But now you've told two or three other people. And they don't know how your relationship was, was reconciled, how forgiveness was expressed there. But they still know what you did wrong or that person did wrong. And so they're now at odds with them. Now their reputation is diminished. Now they think less of that person because they saw the wrongdoing, but they didn't see the repentance. They saw the wrongdoing and heard about the wrongdoing, but they didn't see the change. And that's why we've got to be so very watchful that in our forgiveness of others, it's the real thing. We really do not want that person to lose out in life. We want to let them save face. We want to let them save their reputation. We want to give them a chance, after they have repented and forgiven, to be restored and to be respected by others. Is this okay so far? I'm trying to finish up here, but you know, it, it, when you've truly forgiven someone, you're not going to bring it up again in the future. Oh, here you go again. You know, and every time someone, yeah, you do, here you go. You know, it's always bringing up past things and tell, tell them they did again and again and again. If, they've really forg- if you've really forgiven them, then you let that go. And that becomes a past experience that you don't even desire to bring up. When you truly have forgiven someone, you will bless them. You're looking for an opportunity to give to them, to bless them, to help them out, to lift them up. When you pray for them, 
you really mean it. When you pray for them, it's really, it's really the, the real deal. Lord, I want their life to be better. I want to, their life to be increased. Uh, bless, them, bless them financially. Bless them with, with long life and strength in their family. And You know you, what I'm talking about. You really want their life to be better. Jesus said we are to do good to those who, who use us. Those who dis, are despitefully use us. These are some measures as to whether we've really forgiven someone. But let me caution you in this. Just because you have high emotions, just because you have feelings that are not pleasant, that's not a direct indication that forgiveness hasn't taken place. Because forgiveness, when, when you've been done wrong, it's a decision. It's an act of faith. Faith, by the way, doesn't have feelings associated with it. It's a decision that you make to forgive. You make it before them. You make it before God. You release them and you let them go. You forgive them. That doesn't mean your mind is going to immediately forget about it. Your mind might be talking to you for a while. Your thoughts come and those feelings, those emotions can be there. But that doesn't mean you haven't forgiven because you forgive by choice. And over time, those feelings will come into line. But if we wait until we feel it first, we're not going to do it. Well, as soon as I feel better about this, give me some time and then I'll forgive. Listen, don't make people earn their forgiveness. You didn't earn your forgiveness with the Lord. I didn't earn my place with God. I didn't deserve it at all. He gave it to me for free. Don't make people earn the forgiveness that they need from you. Let me give you this. 1 Corinthians 13 is, you know, explaining love quite a bit. 1 Corinthians 13, one of the things it says about love in verse 5, it says that love thinks no evil. What does it do? Thinks no evil. That phrase, and really that word thinks there, it, it comes from a word, a Greek word, that sounds like I'm speaking in tongues if I say it, but it's an accounting term, meaning to count or to reckon, to credit to someone's account. He's saying true love doesn't keep an accounting system of evil done to it. It's like a, like a bookkeeper keeping accurate financial records. This person that's offended, they keep a detailed record of every wrong that was ever done to them. Rather than forgive, they remember action done to them that they consider unjust and unfair. That's, how, that's what this is talking about. When it says, thinks no evil, that means I'm not keeping any record books of what other people have done against me. But I'm washing them clean and getting rid of them. What is God's behavior toward us? Well, does He keep record of our sins? Well, we know the Scripture tells us, Psalm 103 and verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Aren't you glad He's not going to bring it up like a million years from now? Hey, by the way, you remember when you did that? (laughs) You turkey. No. No, he separated it, and it's gone, it's washed away. And this is the way we are to deal with one another. Now let me say this, in, 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 fi- in finishing up here today. Love doesn't deliberately keep records of wrongs and past mistakes. It's not intentionally drawing them to mind. But again, that doesn't mean that they're instantly, everything's going to leave your mind and you're going to forget. Okay? You know, the Bible, just a side note, Bible doesn't say that God forgets. The Bible says he remembers no more. It's a constant, a conscious choice. How, how can you, if you know everything, how can you forget something? 
but he refuses to ever put his mind on it again. Ever. We choose to do that. So the fact that, oh, I keep remembering, I keep thinking of that. Don't worry about that. Just refuse to go there intentionally. The thought will come, and over time it will come less and less because you have forgiven. But let me say this. Love, forgiveness, and trust are not the same thing. It is possible to love someone, to treat them well, to forgive them, and not trust them. If someone has been lied to, abused, treated wrong, should forgiveness be there? Absolutely. Should trust be there? Absolutely not. Now some find that hard. You just need to trust people. Overall, I want to be a trusting person, and love believes the best of every person. But if you lie to me, I don't trust you for a moment. I'd be a fool to trust you. You know what I'm talking about? You know, a, a, a spouse whose, uh, whose partner, uh, you know, is unfaithful to them in adultery. Should they forgive them? Yes. Should they trust them? No. <laughs> Fool to trust them. Now, I don't mean not ever. I mean, we want to give people an opportunity to regain trust. We're looking for an opportunity to help that person be restored. But it's going to take some time, isn't it? I mean, they've got to prove themselves trustworthy. If you steal from me, if I find out you're a thief, I'm not going to have you hold my wallet. And it's not because I don't love you. It's because God has given me a brain. Okay? And so we want to clarify these things. Say, I was abused by this person and I'm supposed to forgive them? Yeah. That doesn't mean you're going to go be with them, though, alone. You know, if someone hurt children... They're not babysitting my kids. So, well, aren't you a Christian? It's because I'm a Christian that God has given me wisdom. Huh? And so let's, let's understand the two scenarios there. Now, I don't want to be, if one person hurt me, I don't want to allow myself to be untrusting of all people. You know what I mean by that? Those men just can't be trusted. <laughs> Well, no, maybe the man that you were with, maybe, or more than one, I don't know, maybe they couldn't be trusted, but a broad brush and now, you're, now you will refuse to trust anyone, that's something you need to get over, all right? But I'm not going uh, to trust an individual that hasn't earned my trust, but I'm still going to forgive them, treat them with respect, treat them, pray for them that God would bless them and help them to become a person of character and a person who's trustworthy. Everybody with me today? Amen. Stand up on your feet. We want to be quick to repent because He loves us. You know what else we want? We want to be quick to forgive because He forgave us. As we take a moment today and go into our time of worship with the Lord, I want to highly encourage everybody not to just take this time as just a teaching as just a good message on love and forgiveness would you take a moment and do business with God I know this for a fact this is an issue that holds people back in life in relationships in their walk with God it's a great hindrance and it's very real because pain is real because being betrayed is real Being treated wrong is a very real thing. 
But we've got to have a real answer to this real situation. And I could, I, we, if we had time and we wanted to take the time, we could do a big prayer time and have people come down front. There'd be weeping, there'd be repentance, there'd be all kinds of things going on. I know it would. But I'm going to just ask you to do this today. I don't care if you cry or anything, but that's up to you. But to get real with God right now, take a moment. Are there things, are there issues in your life that you need to let go? People you need to forgive? Know that it's holding you back. And know that God's Spirit today will empower you, encourage and strengthen you to rise above it. There needs to be healing that takes place. And some of that healing is forgiving somebody else. If you need to, talk to a person directly later today. Do that. But we don't want to get trapped in this situation where we just, you know... This person, I'm going to go tell them that I forgive them. And that person doesn't have a clue what you're talking about. And the only motive for you going to tell them is you want to let them know how, you've hurt, how they've hurt you. So check the motive whenever you're dealing with another individual on this. That it's not just self-serving. But literally you want to release. But if you'll deal, do business with God right here today as we sing, as we worship Him... I'll tell you what, you'll go out of here changed. You'll go out of here with a newfound freedom. Amen. Amen. Let's worship God.